Welcome to The After Party, a podcast about lessons learned and shaping the future. I'm your host, Raven Bonowell. And today I am joined by master certified coach, Michelle Aiken. Michelle works with creatives who are ready to break up with their bullshit excuses and get their art out into the world. Hi, Michelle. Hello, Raven. Thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. <laughs> Michelle, the pandemic is ending. What are you most excited about? Um, everyone to stop talking about it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I get really like on edge when uh and I mean Twitter is a bad place to go if you're if you're annoyed by what people are talking about because it's you know, I just get annoyed when it's like the same thing all the time. And so that's kind of how it's been for the past year. And it's been very annoying. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you to talk about it for just a little bit longer. Okay. And then you never have to talk about it ever again. Thank you. Can you make yeah. sure of that? Will you follow around me? Will you follow me around my life and just I will. sure that I don't have sure. to? Sure. Yeah, you can, you know, I'll write you a um, permission slip and you can just hold it up every time somebody wants you to great. talk about. Yeah. Great. Okay. So Michelle, I wanted to talk to you today about work-life balance, the elusive work-life balance that seemingly everybody and their mother wants to have. And it seems sort of right out of reach for the majority of us. As coaches, I feel like we're constantly asked about this and in conversation about striking the balance. And you know, the pandemic seemed to do some really funky stuff to work-life balance. I know that for me, uh, it was really easy to just work all yeah. the time and have no balance. What did, what did you notice about it? How did it personally change for you? Well, at first working was my respite. So I, it wasn't even out of balance. It was, it, it actually was balanced for me to work all the time because otherwise I was just sitting around thinking about the state of the world. So from that perspective, I really didn't want to stop, but it did bleed into later months where there was an opportunity to not be doing that. And, and I kept doing it. In fact, last week was my first week off where I didn't slip in work somewhere. Mm. Wow. And I, I didn't realize how I kept getting burnt out the past year, I just kept reaching a place where I had to take a few days off or had to take a day. Or even in one case, I had to like emergency take a week off because mm -hmm. I was losing my mind. Um, and so it showed me, I used to just, I, I always, I was always very good about taking breaks. I've never been someone who uh, tries to sneak in a lot of work on a vacation. If I'm on vacation, great. I'm good. I can turn off. But uh, during this time, I actually became a bit more obsessed with my work and uh and found it hard <clears throat> to turn off in any way but last week i didn't check my email for a full week from friday at 6 to friday at 6 didn't touch okay. it hey good for you that's awesome thanks i also deleted the gmail app off my phone which i highly recommend because if you the only reason i have it on there is to send out cuz there's apple mm -hmm. mail i can ch i could check if i needed to check something like if i mm -hmm. needed a security code or I don't know, something on my phone that I need, but I don't need to send mail from my phone ever. Mm -hmm. So now I can't do that unless I'm in my office and that my anxiety has gone down tenfold. Uh, that's an amazing piece of 
advice, if I ever heard one, yeah. delete your Gmail app off, your uh, off the phone. Yes, you do yeah. need that. You don't need to read yeah. the email that you don't have time to respond to right now anyway, and then have it eat your brain and then you can't enjoy life. So I think work-life balance is actually about boundaries. Yeah. And less so about what you do. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you started this in, in a very interesting place for me that, you know, that work was your respite mm-hmm. from the rest of the world. And, you know, it, it's always, it's always struck me as a really interesting uh, thing, work-life balance, because almost when we talk about it, it strikes it as work and life or 50, 50, like it sets it up. Right. And it's like, hold on, work is 50%. And then the rest of my life, all of that shit that's going on, right. Relationships with your partner, with your family, with your friends, your kids, you know, your social life, all of that, your, and your well being, is the other 50%. That seems Mm -hmm. That seems out of balance right. to me. What do you, do you well, is that what I mean, you find? I'm a big fan of integration of, I think, I think you know this, but I, uh, I'm always looking for ways that the things that I love to do that aren't work-related can become in some way relevant to work so that mm-hmm. I'm never, I'm never really wasting time because there's some usage of that in what I'm doing for work. Um, but also, I made a video about this recently. I think that balance isn't what people think it is. I I think it's a North Star. And people relate to it instead as a destination. But you don't you the North Star isn't where you're going. It's the thing that you use to determine left, right, am I am I too far this way? Am I too far that way? So I think we just get it twisted and we think that balance is a place to arrive at when it's actually something to just check ourselves with regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it, it sounds like there's a constant recalibration and endowing different things with different, uh, uh, different weight and different balance. Just like at some point you might put more into work because it is distracting you from everybody else, everything else. And at other times you might need that vacation or, you know, um, or, or to have that spontaneous day with your family or whatever it is. And it's really a, what I hear in what you're saying is that it's really a choice about where you find balance. Yeah. And I think, um, it does change. What's important does change. And so it is a constant recalibration and, and it really just depends what you're working toward and what you're actually aware of. Cause a lot of people are workaholics and in denial about it or they kind of know but they don't really want you to poke at it so they're not really looking to even achieve balance they're sort of just getting through the day but I uh as a coach it's our jobs to to be well and to have a great life and all this stuff so it's it's really front and center in fact we probably overanalyze it if anything (laughs) there's on the other side of the spectrum. But for me lately, my goal has been to not get to the point of burnout. That's my goal. And it's challenging. Yeah. It's very challenging to get ahead, to give yourself something that you don't desperately need just because you say so feels Mm. very extra, very, you know, it, it, it's not where I think we're all, many of us are very used to 
for example, only getting new shampoo when the one that you've been using is run out and you have filled it with water multiple times to just get the remnants out, uh, that kind of feast or famine thing. Um, <laughs> but like, what if you, what if you got some before you were in desperate need? What if you took a break before you were completely depleted? Yeah. And, um, it, when you're talking about this, I, I notice I'm like, Oh, you know, you work with a lot of creatives and this strikes my artist ear too, of the idea of a starving artist, right? It is feast or famine. And, um, you know, either, either you're working and you're doing really well and, you know, or you're waiting and, and, you know, you're putting all the water in the shampoo bottle to get out the dregs. And, you know, that's sort of how you're living life. And I'm wondering what your experience has been with creatives during the pandemic and with the work-life balance situation, because gosh, you know, with being a creative work is fun. So there is sort of some built-in integration, but I do imagine that it can go in that place of, you know, too far in that, that work direction as well. Well, you're assuming that the creative makes their money with their creative work. Well, true. That's which yeah. isn't, isn't always the case. And in mm-hmm. fact, I'd say more people who hire me are people who have some sort of lucrative job and they're not doing their creative thing on the side. And that's why they hire me, at least mm-hmm. my one-on-one people mm-hmm. typically, because what like uh starting out struggling creative person is going to be able to afford a one-on-one coach, you know, like <laughs> it's just not as common. It's not impossible. I've certain mm-hmm. I have worked with those people, but um, it's far more likely that I'm going to get approached by someone who has an income and is also not doing their thing. Like they've lost their passion, but for mm-hmm. the people who are making their money, uh, that with art, that does become a thing. It does become work. And I think that's also why coaching is so important because we're in a conversation about why you're doing what you're doing and coming back to that. And that's not a one-time conversation. That's a thing that you regularly need to refresh yourself on and remember, mm-hmm. and you will forget. And sometimes the more the success and the money starts coming in, the more you forget why you started to do this in the first place and get distracted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that, that sounds like th- that's the place where it turns into feast or famine, right. Of like, I have to, yeah. um, yeah, I remember having a lot of conversations about that with with my family, um, and also, you know, with, with other artists, as I was making the decision to be an artist at the time that I did, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, I, I didn't, and, and, and I think ultimately it's why I chose out of it because I didn't want to just take this gig for the money and have to, you know, ha- have to have it be both and exhaust myself in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I mean, yeah, that's also you end up doing it anyway. You Mm -hmm. end up doing it as a coach. You know, you take that client that's not ideal or you take that side gig that's not quite what you're the best at, but it's going to give you a bunch of money and it'll be solid income because you're an entrepreneur. You're growing a business. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing too, is people get this idea about this balanced, amazing life and want it now and more power to them. Want it now, but it's a North Star. So like, it's not going to look like that right away. (laughs) You got to build that. That takes some time. And sometimes people come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, it's so great how you have time for your music. And also you have all these clients and like, how did you do it? I'm like, I worked on it for a decade. 
Yeah. And I did rigorous training around it that I was spending a lot of time in with accomplishment coaching. So uh, like <laughs> get, dedicating all of my time, all of my energy to this thing um, that I'm paying to be in, you know, and, and developing myself, focusing on developing myself. That's, I stopped, I didn't focus only on business cards, logo, all that stuff. First, I focused on me and then moved up into that other stuff and the branding after me was settled mm -hmm. or at least like, you know, humming along there. But people are like just starting out. I'm going to take a month off. I'm going to charge $2,000. And it's like, be where you are, like have dreams, but also be where you are right now. Cause, cause wanting that and then feeling like I don't have the thing I want is going to be constant turmoil. And you're probably not going to create anything very inspiring from that place. Yeah. I mean, there, it sounds like people all ultimately want a quick fix and I don't know about you. I get that question all the time. What's the thing I can do? What's the book I can read that <laughs> is just going to like snap and everything's going to be different. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're right that this is a process and it's a process that's really, um, really vulnerable and specific to the individual too. So the way that you have, you know, ha have explored this and have worked on yourself for a decade is not how somebody else is going to do it. You know, it's a very personal, personal journey to find this and it's not going to be a quick fix. No. And it starts with a decision to go down that path. Not, it doesn't matter as much what you do, just that you decide I'm going to I'm going to change my life. Things are going to go differently from here. Mm -hmm. um, so asking, asking people what they did to get where they are is only good in so far as it can be inspiring and motivating, depending on how much you relate. But sometimes I, I answer that question and then people's response is to tell me how they are different and they can't do what I did. Like, congratulations, you just proved to yourself that you can't, like, you used my story for evil. <laughs> that sucks. I don't yeah. want to tell you my story anymore, because if you're just going to take it and, and compare it to you, that's mm -hmm. not the point. Yeah. Yeah, it, um, it sounds like that's exactly what we do as coaches, right? I'm not going to actually tell you what mm -hmm. my, what my answer is because it's more impactful for you to find it for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know that I look at you and I, and I do that thing too, that I'm like, oh my gosh, Michelle's doing her music and she's got this amazing business and she leads this program. And, you know, you, you seem to be, you, you do seem to be having it all up in the air. Maybe a silly question, but what is that like? to be able to have all that together? Um, it's really, honestly, as someone who grew up with not a lot of money, <laughs> surrounded by rich kids, uh, and in a familial story of there's never enough money for anything, this feels very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's great. I'm, I'm not like, oh, I'm not going to shit on it. but. Um, all in all, I'm, it's, it's sort of like I have 
stepped into a new version of myself, but I still think about myself as an older version of me. And so a lot of this doesn't feel right. And I don't trust it. Like I'll, I just bought um, speakers so that I could mix and master here. And it's a purchase I've been wanting for about five years, but it wasn't a priority. It, it, like certainly not above and beyond having a kid and like, you know, all these other things that were my priority. And it finally just got to the place where I was like, I said to my husband, I'm like, I think, I think the next thing I'm going to get in my office is my set of speakers. And he's like, well, it's, it's not like you're not making the money for it now. So yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm going to order it right now. Like I needed him to kind of like verify. I'm not being, I'm not being ridiculous, right? Like I could get, I could get those, those speakers now. It, it just doesn't feel correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I, I was in a state of panic for the rest of the day after I, I did like the online purchase. And then it was just like, okay, that wasn't okay. I can't, okay. They're going to be here soon. Like right looking at me. And um, I don't, uh, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, so it's just like a strange experience of not being okay with the level of comfort because I'm so used to being in a survival mindset. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different, um, it's a different kind of uncomfortable. Like, you know, we, sometimes we talk about being comfortable, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, and it it sounds like this is just sort of outside of normal, normal quote unquote for you. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. Very much so. I I just um and I don't want to sound ungrateful or shitty. I just uh I don't know that people talk about this. It's like a lot of like I'm looking around my office, I just got it painted, I got um I got all this help. I, I have this whole like acoustic treatment on my walls for the sound for my piano and for recording and uh I kind of I kind of can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sitting, I'm sitting here. I made a video of it and then I put it up on my Instagram and then I sat here watching the video. I'm in the office and then just sat here kind of watching the video. Cause I'm trying to like tell my brain that this is my reality right now. And I'm having a hard time accepting it. Yeah. Well, and, and this is what it's like, right? To, to get out of your comfort zone and, you know, and to find this balance too, that it isn't just, again, a quick fix or a snap of the finger. And you're like, Oh, great. I'm sitting on a beach with my feet up in the air. Right. I'm working harder than ever right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, you know, that's how we condition ourselves to do it. Right. You know, that, um, and, and that's part of the work, uh, you know, that, I imagine that you're talking about because I I've been doing some of this too, of trying to, to doing the self-work and bringing myself back to the present and not going, okay, it's not all going to fall out from under me. The other shoe's not going to drop. If I celebrate this thing, it's okay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but it, it does, um, for me a little bit, it feels like I'm on thin ice a little bit whenever I get uh, a little bit more success or, you know, something good happens. Well, what's going to be wild for you, Raven is like where I am is that I'm so far past the thin ice part that even mm-hmm. if I lost a handful of the business I have right now, I would be okay. But I don't, I don't understand that. And even like uh, I had a client complete and I, it was funny. The client said to me, do you need 30 days notice? And I said, no, I'm not going to replace you. I actually I have too many clients. 
right now. <laughs> and I've never been able to say that Raven, like in my, I've been a coach since 2012. I've never had too many clients. I always like people say that and I'm like, fuck off, you know, but like, I'm finally at the place where I just took on a lot of people. And then and now I'm looking at my schedule, like, Oh, wow. Like it's too many. And, uh, yeah, I literally told people to fuck off when they used to say that to me. So, you know, if you're having that reaction, I understand. It's just very weird. It's very weird. But I I told, I went to tell my husband that one of my clients was completing and I started to explain it at the way that I normally would. Well, but it, I think it's okay because there's this other thing that I also am doing and I may, you know, just trying to, because he usually would, would get upset or, or be like, oh no, how much, how much does that, what does that mean for our bottom line? Um, and instead he was holding our daughter and he turns to her and he goes, Amelia, tell mommy, you're so proud of her. And she said, mommy, I'm so proud of you. Cause she's a little parrot, you know? <laughs> and I was, I just started crying. I was like, I, I don't understand this reality that what's happening right now. So I'm going to go over here. That's yeah. what it's like to do us. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's just, it's so amazing. And, you know, and this is why it it can't be a quick fix because you got to be with yourself when it's uncomfortable. And when your daughter says that she's proud of you and, you know, and you don't have to explain away, you know, your success truly. Um, and that actually takes a lot of balls, you know, to be able to do it. So thanks for going there and making it happen. And for being uncomfortable. It's, yeah, this whole last year has been very uncomfortable. Uh, The process of getting there, because I I was not, I, I, there was a point at the end of um, the summer last year when I just, every week someone else told me they were completing and I, I had very few clients and I was just sort of like, okay, I don't feel scared for some reason. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's foolhardy, but it feels like this needed to happen. and it's happened to me so many times in my career that it was finally just a moment where it was like, Oh, this is just what happens when you're ready to reinvent. So I guess I, I had this pull to work with this marketing person and I had it, like it came to me and then I just was ravenous to get in touch with her and I wanted to hire her and she put me in her group program. And I was like, I don't want to be in this damn group program. Like I want to work with you one-on-one. And she was vetting me, you know, Mm -hmm. she was making sure I was going to be a good one-on-one client because she's tough. And I'm like the best one-on-one client for her because I'm I'm a content creator and I have my own ideas. And so together we make fire, you know, mm-hmm. we get on the phone and it's like, it's awesome. And a lot, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be able to handle what she does because they, they haven't been making videos or almost their whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it works really well. But I remember the day that I decided I needed to reach out to her. I'd been following her for a while and she wouldn't answer. She didn't answer my DM for like three hours. And I'm like, come on, bitch. Like, I want to hire you today. Let's go. Because I just, I got it in my body that the next thing I needed to do was finally invest in my branding because I've toyed with it for many, many years and never did it. So that was the thing that really did it. And then working with her has been exhausting. Um, (laughs) Just, I mean, especially because I do stupid things. Like I have an assistant and then I don't ask her to do things. I'm like, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. It's fine. And I feel, I, I'm like, Justine, could you maybe possibly perhaps do this? And you've got time. (laughs) If you have some time, would that be okay? I'm like paying this woman. Mm -hmm. She needs to, she needs to do it. She has hours blocked out. She needs things to do, but it's taken me a lot to 
I'm still working on that. I'm still working on that. Like I, I literally, I'll open up Squarespace to do my own thing and I have to just like hit my own hand. And then I voice memo her. I'm getting very close to doing it myself. Can you do it? Help. Like I'm yeah. I just, I'm like allergic to letting people help me. <laughs> that that's a great image of being allergic to letting people help. And, you know, it's, it's actually been a theme. Uh, it's many, many guests on this podcast oh, yeah. have said, you know, support structure, community, other people, you know, over and over. And, you know, that is something that I feel like it's been such a strange thing again during the pandemic is that we've been apart from each other and realized the value of community and other people. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and, and honestly, it's one of those things I, I hope I don't forget when yeah. I can go back out there and be with people and don't have to, you know, necessarily need them to collaborate on something because we're already socializing or interacting or whatever. Um, That's funny that you say it like that. Do you know Michael Margolin? Yeah. He's a coach. Mm-hmm. He did, he, I don't know if he did it already, but he was doing a workshop that was specifically for going over what you learned in the pandemic and figuring out ways to implement the learning and not forgetting it. Mm-hmm. Later. And I thought that was mm-hmm. a brilliant thing to do because mm-hmm. a lot of people did get a lot of value out of it. And, you know, it, it's like, uh, it's like my mom died of cancer. And while she was sick, I got really into my health. And then as soon as she died, I was like, never mind. Not right after, but like it drifted away. And that's like a really common thing is people will see something and get a new awareness and start to care. And then as soon as it doesn't, it's not a necessity anymore it leaves. Yeah. Yeah. That that's what I'm finding as well. And, you know, I actually got a lot out of the pandemic. I, you know, I had all of this time with my husband, with my daughter, you know, and now that everything's opening back up, it's like, oh, I've got all of these opportunities out there to go and do things in person. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I've been very cautious about it because, I don't know. I feel like I've turned into a little bit of an introvert or, yeah, you know, you just forgot I like how to socialize. I yeah. did forget how to socialize. I went out with um, a few guys from my networking group and one of their uh, girlfriends. And so that showed, so I'd never met her before. So I was in like a social setting with two people. I know peripherally, like not super well, but like I see them all the time and then someone brand new and a very familiar thing happened when I came home that I forgot about, which is that I started reviewing everything that I had said and going, was that stupid? Did I sound obnoxious? Did they like me? Did they not like me? You know, that mental review thing that we do. And I'm like, wow, I really didn't miss that during the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Yup. Yeah. Well, I find that it's a, it's a good time to be really specific though, about, about that sort of thing, because, you know, even what you were just talking about in that mental review, it's like, you know, when you're doing it all the time, it's just part of the process. Right. But when you haven't had it for a while, it's a, hang on a second. What is that? What the hell am I doing? I actually brought it to my coach yesterday because I was on my way to my networking group and I started talking to myself in my head, like, I don't know, cautioning myself against saying certain things or make sure you're not too loud or like different things like that and I'm like what is this and because it's an old it's like a really old script 
and it just started running. And the good thing is I was driving and it started and I was like, what is that? Instead of just having it run in the background, I noticed it. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you notice it, you're not being ruled by it anymore. Now you're, now you're observing it. Now mm-hmm. it's not, it's not running you. And um, like the second that you're aware, you're no longer being run by the thing. So that's, that's cool. Cause I, mm-hmm. I brush it off and I don't listen to it and I go be however I am anyway. I don't actually self edit the way that I'm telling myself to, mm-hmm. but it's there. And I'll tell you what I distinguished with my coach is that I'm still in this habit of trying to control my own opinion of myself under the guise of it being about what other people think of me, but it's actually what I think of me. And I'm super busy doing that in order to avoid creating myself, creating who I am, stepping into this new me. Um, What else, you know, (laughs) and like living into this rather than just trying to control my opinion of me. Whoa, I just totally resonated with that, that it isn't about other people. It's about what I think of me and I'm too busy judging myself and processing what I think of me through the guise of other people to really create what I want. Right. How do I want to show up? You know, when your client is like, oh, I'm sure you... Do you ever have a client say that they're a bad client to you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You must, you must be so annoyed with me or you must hate me. I'm and I'm like, client. yeah. And I'm like, look, I don't want that kind of power. So please stop giving it to me, mm-hmm. you know? And, but we do that. That's what mm-hmm. we do. And I, I think it's like you just said, and like I said, it's just a distraction from yourself. Yeah. That's such a great noticing practice, especially, you know, when these old stories come up, but you can see them now because they haven't been there for a while, actually noticing that's, Mm -hmm. that's old. That's, you know, what am I doing here? Yeah. Rather than just acting on them and going, Oh, yep. I know about that. That's how I am. Anytime someone says I'm the kind of person who I just, I'm like, no, (laughs) you're not a chair. Like you are changeable. You're, you're not. You're not a solid object that is still, you're a living sentient being. It gets back to the North Star idea that it's all a journey and it's all about recalibrating and, you know, balance now is not going to be balance in a couple months or balance in a year or whatever. And so, you know, you being the kind of person that, or it's just the way I am is total bullshit. That's not true, right? Because you're going to change. So you get to change on command too. The best answer to that is if someone's like, that's just how I am. If you say so, because you're <laughs> you literally so. creating yourself and you're creating a reality every moment. And it's such a, it's such a weird answer. If someone asked me, how did, how did you make this shift from, you know, just getting by to really thriving in your business? And it's like, I decided to. And it, it really is that simple. It starts there. And starting with what do people think of me and managing the external, if you haven't chosen, doesn't get you anywhere. Wow. Michelle, thank you so much for being here today and putting that in the space. Just remembering that you get to decide, you get to choose. And reality is what you say so. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. 
I'd love to hear what you've learned about yourself through the COVID pandemic. You can get in touch through email at ravenbcoaching at gmail.com. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook at Raven Bonwell Coaching and on Instagram at ravenbcoaching. R-A-V-E-N-B-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. If you've enjoyed this episode, do us a favor and give it a five-star rating to help us reach more listeners. The After Party is a celebration of lessons learned. It's hosted by leadership coach Raven Bonnewell and produced by Accomplishment Media.